What made you want to dig into like the financial world? I had this idea that I'm going to get a six figure job and then I'll be wealthy and then I'll be able to travel. I'll have control over my life. And then I got the six figure job and realized that my student loan payment and taxes sucked up all of it. Whenever you started looking towards investments, what did that path look like? Where, where did you start? I really started with like traditional stock bond investing almost entirely in index funds and ETFs. I kind of realized if I can do a big percent of my income for a short period of time, it would make a life change for me. It would like actually create a situation where I didn't have to work and I'm actually creating my dream life by not having the dream life this second. In real estate, you have to be careful because the stakes are more expensive, but I do think in life, there's a lot of benefit to being willing to act with like half of the information and not all of the information. Sometimes you just learn by action. For me, like doing all of the stuff like investing or starting a business or buying real estate, I create this wonderful life that I've envisioned for years. So like, let's just go for it and hope for the best. And I, I think honestly, that's the best way to live. What is up, everybody? We are back today with another episode of the Fetch It Podcast. We have a very special guest today we have strive with Kristen hanging out with us and I'm really excited because she's a fellow healthcare worker so Kristen please introduce yourself let everybody know who you are hey uh, thanks for having me in advance my name is Kristen Burton I am a PA um, I practice in pulmonary critical care medicine and uh, I founded strive coaching which is a company basically designed to promote financial literacy and ultimately financial independence to all healthcare professionals so the way that I've been describing you to people whenever I'm talking to them, I'm like, it's she's like Rachel Richards, like money, honey, Rachel, but for medical people is what I keep saying. <laughs> because uh, a lot of our people, a lot of our people are mostly just strictly focused on real estate and you kind of like go for like the whole financial picture. So that's why I'm really excited today to kind of dig into stuff with you because you're big on, you know, like what's one of the biggest things that all medical pro uh, professionals have once they graduate a crap load of student debt. And so you, you kind of dig into that. So um, what, what kind of got you like started on this path? Like, you know, you had a good, uh, I'm assuming six figure career. And then, you know, what made you want to dig into like the financial world? Yeah, it was really my own problems, I guess. Um, I had this idea that like, okay, I'm going to get a six figure job and then I'll be wealthy and then I'll be able to travel. I'll be able to do all these things. I'll have control over my life. And then I got the six figure job and realized that my student loan payment and taxes sucked up all of it. And um, I wasn't wealthy and it wasn't what I thought. <laughs> and so I'm like, okay, well, first I, I really didn't know very much about money at the time. I'm like, I'm going to solve this problem by solving the student loan problem. And so I did. Um, I, I mean, I'm a hustler by nature. So I'm like, I will work, work solves a lot of problems. And so that is exactly what I did. We lived so frugally. We lived on like 35, $40,000 a year. And I worked 80 plus hours a week, paid $10,000 a month to my student loan debt and paid it off in 16 months, which is great. Then I'm like, well, now I don't have any student loan debt. This is awesome. I'm still not rich. And so I was like, well, shoot, obviously there's more to this that I'm not understanding. And so that's when I really learned about building assets and investing and eventually real estate as well um, so that I could actually have time freedom, which I figured out later was what I was wanting the whole time. And um, it sort of spiraled into me realizing, hey, um, most other medical professionals want this too and also don't know how to do it. And so uh, slowly starting in 2019, actually into 2018, I ended up starting this business really just to like help people around me um, fix the same problem I had. And it's kind of blossomed uh, since then. 
It's amazing. Yeah, it's been it's been wild uh, looking back through your Instagram. I mean, you you've got some excellent content and you you've got some, you know, very a very niche audience and your niche audience. You still have, you know, what what is it? Twenty six, twenty eight thousand followers now. And like, you know, being as niche down as you are, but having that big of a following, that's, that's super impressive. Hey, thanks. Honestly, yeah. there's a lot of personal finance and real estate stuff in the medical space, but most of it is entirely physician centric, like mm. it very much is driven towards that very small uh, niche of people. And I do think that PAs and PEs, pharmacists, PTs, like these people tend to tend to get left out of the equation. And so I've really tried to be uh, as inclusive as I can to the whole medical professional community, um, nurses included, and not and not just be like, hey, um, you know, you physician who makes $400,000 a year, or whatever it is, this is for you. Yeah. Yeah. And so whenever you were uh, first digging into this, um, I mean, yeah, worked hard, you know, paid a lot of money towards it. We're living well below your means. And then once you kind of started getting on the other side of like the the debt hump, then whenever you started looking towards investments, what did that path look like? Where where did you start? Mm -hmm. um, I really started with like traditional stock bond investing almost entirely in index funds and ETFs. And I I had like read a couple of key books that really clicked. I'm like, okay, this is possible. And so we ended up, honestly, we didn't change our major overhead expenses a ton. And um, we started traveling more, <coughs> which is really important for us. But we just kind of kept the big stuff the same and ended up with a, what people call a savings rate, AKA like percent of gross income invested pre-kids somewhere in the 50 to 70% range. Um, I changed jobs. We know we our income continued to increase, and we just kind of kept things the same in terms of lifestyle and reallocated so much of that into investments that it didn't take as long as you might think to be like, oh, the portfolio has grown. Like actually, you know, we're making decent money here, and um, this is actually becoming something. And so that was that was my beginning path. And honestly, it's kind of the easiest path, right? Like. If you get out with real estate, like, and there's, as you guys, of course, know, like there's additional risk to mitigate. There's additional work. Like it's not passive. It's great. It's not passive. Mm -hmm. And so like, you know, putting money in an S&P index fund in your Roth IRA is like so simple, so easy. Anyone can do it. It takes five minutes. And um, for that, really, for those reasons, that's kind of how I initially started asset building. Very nice. So, I mean, like, it, it's such an easy thing. I'm I'm guilty of it. And I know so many other people in the medical community specifically, because for for whatever reason, it seems like keeping up with the Joneses happens immediately after everybody graduates or gets done with residency, whatever. But also just like in regular jobs, you know, anybody that's in a high paying field, like anybody, you know, in the six figure, multiple six figure range, it's so easy to fall into the lifestyle creep. And so what kind of like tips do you have to like help keep yourself in check? And maybe, you know, like, cause you said you were saving 50 to 70% of your income, which is insane. Yeah. Like most people would be blowing that and they'd be, you know, they'd have the new uh, Volvo outside and the $600,000 house right away. Yeah. The funny thing is um, I, I think I like gotten this reputation of being frugal. I'm actually not frugal whatsoever. I'm actually like a very lavish spender. It's funny. Um, but I do think I have a quality where I am comfortable being a beginner and knowing like, hey, I'm a beginner in this area and I'm going to act like it. And that's really, that was just my mindset about the wealth building journey. So it's like, I'm not going to live super frugally forever. I don't think that's fun or reasonable, but most people have this, uh, 
resistance to having a, a season, a few years of being like, I am a beginner at building wealth and I'm going to thus act that way and live that way until I'm not. And so it doesn't take forever, really. It's like if you would just be willing for like two or three years to go like, I'm not going to get the house yet. I'm not going to upgrade the car yet. Then like you get to a position where you can have all of those things and have money. But if you are unwilling to have that brief season of going, hey, I need to build the stuff before I build the lifestyle, it ends up where your lifestyle owns you and you don't have any assets. And then, you know, 10 years down the line, you're like, wait a minute, I'm still broke. Uh, but just it's a window. It's not forever. And most of it has nothing to do with the small stuff. Like people obsess about going to Starbucks or having oh. an avocado toast. It's like, it doesn't matter. What matters is the fact that your mortgage is 40% of your income, your car payments, a thousand dollars a month. Like those are the things that matter. And if you just make those like very few decisions well for a couple of years, you can actually make a lot of traction. I love that so much because that's exactly what I preach to people as well. Like if you can just like be a little bit uncomfortable and not even being uncomfortable, like you're still living nice, you're still eating and you're still doing everything that you want to do. And yes, the, the Starbucks thing drives me absolutely insane. It's like no one has saved $5 at a time their way to a million dollars. Like it doesn't happen. Yep. And so... Um, how how did you like did, did you read a book did you have a mentor or how did you like have this mindset from the beginning and avoid falling into it oh that's a really good question i think part of it was a couple of key books i read retire before mom and dad by rob Berger and the simple mm. path to wealth by jl collins and both of those i think made the numbers click for me in my head um, I actually remember like I was doing the audio book of retired before mom and dad driving my $4,000 Chevy Cobalt. Cause that's what I drove at the time. And um, I'm like, he's doing the math and I'm like trying to do like compounding returns in my head. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this works. And so I think I, I kind of realized like if I can do a big percent of my income for a short period of time, that it would make a a life change for me. It would like actually create a situation where I didn't have to work. And so I think having that click early made me willing to go, okay, I can delay a few lifestyle things um, so that I can genuinely have this. The other thing is, I mean, I've, I was married then I've been, I'm married now. We've been married almost 10 years and we always knew that we wanted to have children, but we hadn't yet. And I knew like, Hey, when we do have kids, I don't want to be like slaving away at my job and have no flexibility. And so, I mean, I just told you, like I literally just got back from the zoo with my daughter this morning, but like I get the choice to do that now because I was willing to make some decisions differently then. And that was always in the back of my mind of like, I don't wanna have to work if I don't want to. I want the option to go part-time or reduce hours or whatever that looks like. And so I think having the, the big vision did help a lot, honestly, for just the day to day of like, okay, this isn't forever. And I'm actually creating my dream life by not having the dream life this second. You know, you, you know, you're talking about there's two concepts that you brought up, which is um, it's real estate not being really passive, fully passive, right. which I fully, fully know. And, and then we can talk about yeah. And then talking about having money before you have kids because you don't have that because the, you lose that time buffer of being able to maybe learn a new skill or like building that first bridge. David always calls about building that first bridge. When what was that? Can you describe that moment um, 
maybe it was maybe it was a specific asset that you bought and talk about the deal that you did that you feel like aha now i built my first bridge as um i'm currently doing that and that's what i would want to learn about that and i'm sure the audience would want to learn about that so please share so the i'll share the first real estate thing we did i'll say this yeah. too every single thing we've done it's always like there's always this big unknown like it was like that when we started investing in the stock market it was like that with real estate but the very first property we bought um we bought it sight unseen we bought it out of state and we had no idea what we were doing we had a very rough estimate and honestly like didn't even have the best data on like okay you know what is this thing going to generate in terms of revenue? We didn't do any of like the, the best practices. We had no idea what the utilities were going to be. Like we just didn't know stuff. Okay. So then we buy the property and we learn about a thousand million things along the way. And honestly, there's in real estate, you have to be careful because the, the mistakes are more expensive. But I do think in life in general, there's a lot of benefit to being willing to act with like, you know, half of the information and not all of the information. And so that's what we did. And, you know, was it the best deal? No. Is it a cash flow and property? Yes. We're probably going to 1031 out of it here soon, but that's okay. It's like you just, sometimes you just learn by action. And like, if you sit around and do all the podcasts and all the books and like know a hundred percent of everything before you start, the opportunity is kind of gone. Yeah. I'm, I can see you agree with that. Absolutely. Right now, right, right now I, I call David every day because I'm doing my first development deal. It's, cool. not, it's not, it's not buying a turnkey. I've done that, mm -hmm. but like I jumped in not knowing what all the costs were going to be, not knowing what all the numbers were going to be. And now I definitely have a little bit of a safety net, which made me feel better going into it. But I totally agree. The amount that you learn, just like structuring contracts, just like knowing, you know, knowing if this is a business you even want to be in, um, knowing, learning maybe from this type of asset, maybe, oh, it's not. You know, doing a multifamily, maybe, oh, maybe I want to do duplexes. Oh, I don't like long-term rentals. Maybe I want to do short-term rentals. I don't like short-term rentals. Maybe just that, that ping pong from action. There's a lot of things you can learn that's never, that can't be transmuted in a book. And mm -hmm. I, and I really agree with that. There's certain things like, for example, contract negotiations, you can't really describe it in a book. It's emotion right. and other things like that. So I, I love what you just said. I just wanted to add on for the audience, David. I wonder if, um, because I was the same way whenever I was working in medicine, still actively at the bedside, everybody was like, how, like, what are you doing? Like, you know, buying these properties and doing this. And like, they, they thought I was crazy. They thought it was super risky, but in the back of my head, I was like, you know, like, it's really not like, what's the worst that could happen? Like I lose some money. No, one's going to die. And you know, in our profession, people can die if we screw up or if we don't know what we're doing. So now like a lot of other decisions in life get a lot easier whenever you know that there's not a potential life tied to it. So I wonder if that maybe played a little uh, part as well. Cause I know it did for me. Yeah. That's a, honestly, that is a great point. And I, I work in an ICU too. So like that polarizes a lot of things of like, yeah. this is not a life or death situation. The only thing at stake here is money. At the end of the day, you can get more, you know, it's like, not that you want to lose money, but I do think like when you go to do stuff like this, you have to kind of run like best case scenario, worst case scenario. And for me, like doing all of this stuff, like investing or starting a business or buying real estate, it's like, okay, best case scenario, I create this wonderful life that I've envisioned for years. Mm -hmm. Worst case scenario, nothing changes. Everything's the same. I am stuck working 60 hours a week until I'm 67. 
not okay with the worst case scenario, okay with most of the stuff in between. So like, let's just go for it and hope for the best. Uh, and I, I think honestly, that's the best way to live. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree with that because I, I my, my wife, she kind of like broke it down for me more than a few times throughout this entire timeline. She was like, so you're telling me that the worst case scenario is the property doesn't work out or we don't enjoy doing this or whatever, and we can just sell it probably for a profit. And then you can go back to your job that you were making really good money. Is that what the worst case scenario is? And I'm like, I think so. And she was like, that doesn't sound so bad. And I'm like, okay, okay. Yeah, it's very true. So yeah, it helps. I think that uh, helps a lot of people put it into perspective a little bit. Like uh, your worst case scenario is 90, I would say probably 99% of yeah. everybody else's day-to-day -day life. So right. like if that's the worst case scenario, then I would say it's worth, you know, taking, taking the leap on it. So, um, so, so what's the portfolio look like now, uh, property wise, if you don't mind asking, cause I know that you've got at least a short-term rental or maybe a couple in the works. Yeah, we have a short-term rental in Kentucky. We were limited partners in a private equity syndication for an apartment complex in the Carolinas. And then we have a short-term rental now in Branson, Missouri. We're currently hunting for multifamily um, in Indiana. So yeah. yeah. That's oh, yeah. Where we're that was another thing I forgot to mention to everybody. A fellow Midwesterner. She's from Indy, Yoni. Yes, yes Indiana. Yep. Indianapolis suburbs. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Yoni, he's a, he's a Cleveland boy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, I I'm a uh, I, I think I've heard you talk about this before, and I think we talked about this whenever I came and I spoke with your uh, with your group was the the short term rental uh, loophole, and that's really beneficial for a lot of people. And it, would you mind touching on that for anybody that's not aware of what that is and why short term rentals could be such a huge thing for high W two earners? Yeah, that was actually you shouldn't buy property just based on taxes, but that was a big driver for us. So no. we were able to do that with the first one. We're doing it right now. Basically, if you buy the property, it classifies as a short-term rental. So you have to have average length of stay, less than seven days. And I would think the rule is, and you'd have to double check me that you have to be in service for I think two weeks out of the calendar year. And then you have to be able to prove something called material participation being the IRS lists out like very specific criteria, but the long and the short of it is you have to say, Hey, look, like I'm doing the most of the work for this property, um, for managing it and, um, taking ownership of the guests. Now, again, like very specific hourly criteria, but that's kind of what it comes down to. Once you say those things are true, then you can actually use the, the losses, not actual losses, of course, paper losses from depreciation and expenses and all of those things to offset your W-2 income, which is pretty uncommon. There's not a lot of ways in the world of tax to actually like take your active income that you owe taxes on from your W-2 job and make it less. Um, there's the obvious things like 401k contributions, HSA contributions. But once you get past all that, it is kind of hard as a high income W-2 earner to do that. And so these very few little niche things you can do, like some of it is like investing in oil and gas in certain ways, like that is a little bit uh, out there for some people. But the idea of like, hey, I wanted to buy real estate anyways. I'm interested in the short-term rental space. If you do that and you're really meticulous about following the rules, um, you can actually take, you can save a lot of tax. I will say if you're going to do it, you absolutely need a CPA that has real estate expertise because most CPAs are not going to be able to do that for you really well. But um, if that's your plan, seek one out, get really good guidance. You, I mean, we saved 
I'm trying to remember. I think we ended up saving probably like $30,000 on, on our taxes, like getting a literal like $30,000 tax refund. Um, and then this year it should be more. And I actually know people that have gotten like $80,000 tax refunds from doing this because the purchase price of their short-term rental was higher. So it depends on um, you know the whole picture, if you're willing to put in the work to have enough hours to claim material participation. But if you are, can be quite lucrative and you can actually end up saving a lot, a lot, a lot of money in taxes. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, just like a, a quick example. So this was something that blew my mind whenever I learned it. And I love medium term rentals. That's my entire portfolio right now. But this is one of the leading drivers for me getting into short term rentals is just so that I can use this short term rental tax loophole. So I'll try to do my best to like explain it in like an example. So let's say a physician's making like $500,000 a year. And if that physician's going to get taxed at probably, you know, 30%, something like that. So they would just have to pay Uncle Sam 30% of that tax. But if they would go out and they would buy a million dollar short-term rental, they put 20% down on it because they've got the cash for it, whatever. And then they do a cost segregation and they do bonus depreciation, which bonus depreciation is going away. I think we're at 80% now, or it'll be 80% next year, something like that. So obviously 100% find a CPA. I'm not a CPA. Don't listen to anything I'm saying, but, but this is the rough example. So. If they bought that house for a million dollars and let's say that the land is worth $200,000, then that remaining $800,000, they could bonus depreciate it and they could potentially pull like $600,000 of bonus depreciation on that property based on, oh, this is whenever the carpet's going to go out. This is when the roof's going to go out and all of these other things, they break it down and you have to hire a specific company to do this. But yeah, you can actually take your active income and put it you know as a negative, which you've still made money. And now you have a million dollar asset that you bought, you reduced your tax liability to zero and you're making cash flow off of that investment, which is why it's just such a mind blowing strategy for people. But you have to be able to meet those uh, criteria that you were talking about, which is like material participation and, you know, some of those other things. But it, it can be a really, really crazy thing once you dig into it. Yes. And exactly like you said, like this is why you do need a good CPA for the process because <clears> you do have to be able to, you know, have the cost segregation study done and all of the stuff that you're mentioning and making sure that the bonus depreciation is done correctly. And so um, definitely, definitely, definitely find someone with real estate expertise. But um, it is exactly like, like that. I mean, you can save tons and tons of money on taxes. Mm -hmm. Now, I will say in the world of real estate, I think short-term rentals are kind of considered riskier um maybe than like a long-term rental or multifamily because of course like the demand will ebb and flow more and depending on where you are what market you're in if it's like a regional vacation market or a destination vacation market you may have um, a quote-unquote higher risk investment um, but there's definitely reward <laughs> uh, for doing that if you're going to claim material participation in particular so um, like all things, you know, pros and cons, but you, if you are sitting there going, okay, how do I lower my taxes? I'm already doing all the other basic stuff. I'm already maxing out my 401k. I'm already doing the HSA. I'm already using an FSA. Then this is a great option. Um, and one of the few things that will actually like move the needle. Um, not a lot of other things will like get you that much reduction in your tax burden in a year than this will. Absolutely. For somebody who's never, for somebody who's never done the cost segregation, or any of this stuff, mm -hmm. what's a couple of questions you can do to ask CPAs to make sure that they're the right, that they're good at it, besides for have you done it before? 
<laughs> so um, actually, you usually have to hire another person to do it. And especially for commercial properties, like there'll be someone that literally goes, I will say we used um, a CPA firm that will provide um, basically like a virtual cost segregation study, but that was for a single family home and the cost savings were enough that we decided to do it. I think that that one ran somewhere in like the $600 range and our quote to have an in-person cost segregator come was in the couple of thousands. And so we opted for that. But I do think um, when you get into like bigger properties, commercial properties, that's kind of like a no-no and you should have an actual cost segregator come. Um, in terms of like interviewing someone, I honestly don't know um, what would be the the best way to approach them or ask um, outside of exactly what you said, like, hey, what's your experience? Yeah. If you absolutely. find a CPA though with real estate experience, um, I'm sure that they have a recommendation for someone to do your cost seg study because that's probably something that they do all the time. Yeah. If anybody's listening and they want a, a good CPA, we've had him on the podcast for his name's Ryan Bakey, learn like a CPA. He's, he's a gangster when it comes to anything real estate related, but also he does uh, cost segs all the time. And then he actually does like some syndications to where he'll like buy an RV park and he'll bring in limited partners and then he'll share that depreciation with the limited partners, which is pretty wild. And so, yeah, yeah. that's a shameless plug for Ryan. He's a good dude. Oh, and I didn't he, know uh... Ryan does cost segregate. Okay. So our CPA that we use doesn't do them and they, they have another party do them. So I well, guess you'll have to ask if you use No, Ryan no, no. I don't, I don't think he himself does it, but like he'll buy properties and he'll have a company do a cost seg study and then he'll okay. share it with them. So yeah, he, he's strictly just CPAs. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's a wild thing. And then one, one other last little nugget and then we'll, we'll stop talking about taxes, even though it's very important because you know, like everybody always is like wants to ignore the taxes when they first get started in real estate, they want to like talk about cash flow and that's it. But then after you stop talking about cash flow, you figure out that, wow, like tax benefits of this is pretty wild. Um, but one other thing that we're, my wife and I are actually doing is um, she's going to get her real estate license because then if you have a spouse that is a real estate professional and you join or you uh, file your taxes jointly, they can be a real estate professional, have real estate professional status. And once again, there's hours that you have to hit and all of these other, uh, you know, uh, certain criteria that you need to hit. But if you do, then you can get all of those same benefits that we were just talking about a little bit earlier. And so it can be, that can be a really nice route for people as well. So if you've got, you know, like once again, that same example, doctor making 500,000 a year, but they're too busy. They don't want to have to be the one on paper. That's doing the short term rental as well. If their spouse would go get the real estate license, and then they are also the one that's uh, taking care of the short term rental, then they can reduce their tax liability by, you know, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands potentially so yeah it's a very very interesting concept and uh i've i've kicked around the idea more than once because yoni and i were looking to get into uh you know developments and i was like i wonder if we could like have a very extraordinarily niche business of like we hand you a, a short-term rental on a silver platter and we have a huge upcharge for it but it's like here's exactly how we would set up the management here's exactly how we would do everything here's all of the information about this short-term rental and you can buy it and reduce your taxes by you know a crap load of money and we'll we'll set you up with the cpa with the cost segregation study with everything wow. all you have to do is come in sign the paperwork and then run it afterwards because i can't run it because you have to be the one that does it like i don't know right. i think that would be interesting because there's there's plenty of high earners out there that are interested in real estate, but they don't want to have to go through the hours and hours and hours of podcasts and books and everything that we've gone through to learn all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Um, that is true. And like, there's just a lot of administrative burden and getting all of that done. And so I could definitely see people that would go, Hey, yeah, line it all up for me. And where do I sign? 
exactly. Yeah. Here's, here's your login for your property management software. Here's your everything. Just, you know, here it is. Go for it. <laughs> so, um, I want to dig now into, uh, your, your coaching a little bit more. So you said it's uh, strive. So tell us a little bit about it. And like, in case anybody's interested in it, how do they get into that? Yeah, so we have a couple of different programs that we offer um, to essentially the goal is to teach people how to go from just dealing with a debt situation to really focusing on doing that strategically and building assets along the way. And so we have um, a coaching program. And then also I've actually for years had like a self-paced program that you could go through that was paced on a 12-week cadence. And then ultimately it's like, you know, <clears throat> the people that are that are finishing the 12 weeks are like kicking butt in terms of, you know, net worth growth and objective change through the program. But 12 weeks is a long time. And a lot of people were kind of fizzling out in the middle and not really like sticking with the whole program. Hmm. And so I actually just re kind of reneged all of that. And we're doing a new five week, um, really kind of intensive challenge. So there's a couple of different things that we have to really kind of achieve the same goal. It is just a matter of, you know, what kind of support are you looking for? And, um, you know, how much do you want someone to kind of walk with you through the process versus being like, yep, I'm going to take in the information and do it all myself. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I I think I heard somewhere recently that 90% of just like, you know, strictly online courses to where it doesn't have any sort of like accountability, there's no group associated with or anything like that. Like 90% of them do not get to like every single module done, which doesn't surprise me because I'm the same way I've bought a couple of different things and I didn't finish up. (laughs) So that's awesome that you have the the in person, the in person uh, option. So with the with the five week thing, what what does that kind of look like from a high level in case somebody's interested? Yeah, so it actually, there's still on-demand modules that you go through, but there's actually a weekly live Q&A session and then a a session with a CPA um, who I am a huge fan of, also has real estate expertise, not Ryan, although I like Ryan too. Uh, And then (laughs) there's also a a session with a contract negotiator as well. So that my hope would be by the end, we've covered debt, we've covered cash reserves, we've covered investing at length, we've covered tax strategy, and now we've also talked about how to negotiate your income. And so really, there's like a ton of action items laid out, there's like weekly things to do, a community and all of that. And so my hope is that because you'll have a chance to show up every week with me, like, hey, what are your questions? Hey, what's getting done? That people are actually, okay, yes, I'm going to complete every single aspect and get the biggest result possible. Because it's frustrating, of course, like anytime you create something, you're like, you know, I want you to actually get maximal result from anything that you do um, associated with my business. And if you're not, it's like, what am I doing? How do I, how do I get people to be more, more um, all in, I guess. So yeah, hopefully this accomplishes that. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, it's, it's amazing what just like the tiniest bit of accountability will do. Like, oh, I have to hop on a Zoom call and look at her yep. and know that I didn't do anything, you know? And so then, <laughs> you know, people don't want to do that. That's awesome. So um, if anybody wanted to like get a hold of you and they wanted to like potentially get enrolled, because I think we've got, you know, a good amount of medical listeners that are, are along yep. the way. If anybody wanted to get in, how would they do that? The easiest thing to do is shoot me a DM on Instagram. Um, I'm at Strive with Kristen. If you want to actually head to the website, it's there too, um, www.strivewithkristen.com. But if you want to have more of a conversation about you know what that looks like and what our options are, um, the DM will facilitate that. So either way works. Um, but yeah, Perfect. hopefully, uh, hopefully people can find the info and and are excited about the the five week idea. And if not, of course, we always have coaching and more personalized support. 
Awesome. Love it. Love it. So uh, I, I want to know then like what what does the next like what does the next 12 months look like? And then what does the next like three to five years look like for Kristen? Oh, man. Big questions. <laughs> uh, well, for one thing, I am uh, making a reduction in my clinical hours for 2024. Um, I honestly, my heart is really in my business and, and that's where I want to be. And it's more flexible in terms of like, you know, I work nights right now. So, and I miss every third weekend I'm working, I work holidays. Like I, I definitely don't have a banker's hours job. And mm -hmm. so by being able to back off there, I can, you know, work more like when I want, where I want. And, and that aspect of things is obviously, um, really interesting to me. So that's my plan for next year. Um, in terms of three to five years, um, I think our life will probably look uh, completely different. I can't imagine really that either of us would probably have a W-2 job whatsoever. I think we'll probably be full-time real estate investors and then um, obviously have my business as well. Um, but we're trying to be like very strategic in how we get there and make sure that all of those, um, you know, aspects are covered like medical insurance uh, and mm -hmm. all, all the extras that go along with making those big life changes. So that's the three to five year plan. We'll get there. Uh, we'll get there on our timeline and uh, make sure all our boxes are checked. Love it. That's super exciting. Congratulations on the reduction. That's a huge thing. Um, yeah. That's something that I, I like preach to people at nauseum is like everybody thinks that, oh, whenever I like if they get it in their head, like they saw an Instagram reel or something like I want to have financial independence and then they start like looking into it or digging yeah. into it a little bit further. And they're mm -hmm. like, oh, my gosh, how am I going to replace $10,000 a month in yeah. income? You know, like how am I going to ever do that? And then they just kind of like putter out because they're like, that sounds like too big of a mountain to climb. I don't want to have mm -hmm. to try and figure that out. But what I always tell people, which is exactly like the route that I took was mm -hmm. I didn't need to replace the entire thing. I just needed yeah. to replace a portion of it. And once I replaced a portion of it, like 30% of it, then I was able to take a job that paid much less, but it gave me complete flexibility because I work totally remotely now and I've got yeah. tons of time freedom now, and then I can focus more on real estate. And so it doesn't need to be an all or nothing crazy thing, which is exactly what uh, I think you're trying to explain to people. Like you're working your way through it and you're working your way, slowly chipping away at it. And uh, that's, that's super exciting. Congratulations. Yes, I will say that too. I mean, I talk to people all the time who are like, hey, I want to be totally financially free in five years. I'm like, okay, well, what are you doing like in terms of building assets? And they're like, well, I'm putting 4% in my 401k. It's like, okay, <laughs> well, you know, you're going to be financially independent in 50 years, not five. And then I think when they're like the initial like overwhelm is so big, they're like, well, hands up, like I'm out. This obviously isn't for me. It's way too hard. But exactly like you were saying, like it can be a ramp. It can, it doesn't even have to be like, full financial independence, it can be as simple as like, I'm going part time now. Or like you said, I'm taking a lesser paying job or like I'm ditching medicine and getting a job as a Starbucks barista because it brings me joy. So it doesn't have to be like all or nothing. But I do think people dramatically underestimate what it takes. Um, yeah. Most people in order to really truly like replace a six figure income, obviously, it's, it's different if you're replacing a smaller income, but to really replace a six figure income, whether you're talking about a real estate portfolio, or like a stock bond portfolio, it always does take more than you think. And so mm -hmm. the idea that like, okay, you know, I have a Roth IRA, or I have a 401k, or I have like, you know, one property, 
I'm kind of like good and I can stop growing. I think that is a fallacy. And if you really do want this stuff, like if you want to have time freedom and you want to have the kind of like life people talk about on social media, you do have to be willing to put in some work and and really like get into it because uh, it, it does take a lot more than most people are are doing. Mm -hmm. I completely agree. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was listening or we, I was on a, a call yesterday with one of my mentors and uh, he was saying um, like you don't. It, it it does take a lot more than what you think. I completely agree with you. It takes a lot more like, you know, uh, uh, cash and like thinking about what you need to do and like strategic wise and whatever. But he, he was like basically doing like a mock sales with me because I do medium term rentals. And so like I typically tell people I don't like doing a medium term unless it's making a thousand dollars a month. And so he's like, OK, so you're telling me that if mm -hmm. a person bought one medium term rental per year, that's and just say that after a 24 month period and each one of them was making a thousand dollars a month they've replaced 25 percent of their six-figure income off of that cash flow and i was mm -hmm. like i've never really thought of it that way just buying yeah. two properties in two years replaces 25 percent of your income which is pretty wild to think about i mean twenty four thousand, but who's counting and um so yeah uh i i agree and people need to like be realistic about their expectations too like oh i'm not just gonna like wave a wand and hop into a short-term rental it's going to make me six thousand dollars a month in cash flow and i can just you know sail away um those are those are quite few and far between and you need to uh probably build them which is what hopefully yoni and i are doing but yeah the people need to have their expectations in check a little bit um but it's also like it, it's not it doesn't need to be quite as crazy as what um some people think that it's going to be in their head like with the like i said like what's that i'm gonna tell you i'm gonna tell you the truth guys a lot of people's pain threshold is extremely low and pathetic. Mm -hmm. You can't say that. You can't say yeah. that. Nobody wants to hear that. Yeah. No. Nobody's gonna. Nobody wants to burn the boats, let alone a boat. <clears> nobody <throat> wants. Nobody. Nobody wants to do it. And yeah. e in even and even um, some people might do it. It'll take them ten times longer to do it, and they need to be in a mastermind group. To, to watch nine other people do it before them and they'll finally make one chess move you know so i wish there was a way to filter out the people that like are really actually gonna jump all jump all in with full faith because i i even if you can logically explain to somebody hey you do two medium terms then you take a lesser paying job th they might go like this but i wish there was a way to know like there were signals to be like, oh, this person actually will do what I'm saying right now. I know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, I do think too. It's like, I don't know. Not that people should like temper their expectations, but I think if you're going to set your expectations really high, the next question you need to ask is like, well, then what do I need to do to get there? And like, you got to be willing mm -hmm. to work. Like you said, you have to have to have a pain threshold that's like more than zero. <laughs> and so, um, you know, yeah, do the thing. Like, you know, create a crazy life. It's awesome. Like you should do it, but then you're going to have to like do some work and things like that along the way. Yeah. I, I, I heard a, a great, a great term once on a podcast or something that I was listening to. And it said, there's, there's like a spectrum, there's comfortability on one end and then there's profitability on the other end. And it's like, <laughs> where do you want to stand on that spectrum? And I think they were mostly talking about house hacking, but I was like, it kind of applies <laughs> to everything, you know, like the, yeah, the yeah. less comfortable you are, the more profitable you are going to be, you know, it, it's going yeah. to be on a spectrum. And like you said, it doesn't need to be, oh, I'm going to be uncomfortable for 20 years. It, yeah. it needs to be like, oh, if I could be uncomfortable for just a handful like three maybe three maybe five years like yeah. people would be 
shocked at how much they could get done in a three to five year time period. Um, How does that old saying go? Everybody overestimates what they can do in a year, but underestimates what they can do in five. Um, I, I, I completely agree with that. Yeah. All right. Well, I think uh, we'll start digging into some of our, our kind of closing questions. So um, one of the questions that I really we've already already mentioned a couple of books already, but and one of them I had never heard of before. Um, so other than those two, we won't let you cheat. We'll get we'll drag some more out of you. What do you think has been like one or two really big books that have helped you? They don't, you know, not necessarily re, uh, finance, real estate it can be anything that you think has kind of helped you on your journey for uh, moving forward. That is hard. I'm a big reader. So in terms of personal development, actually, one of my all-time favorites is really old. It's called The Alchemist. Um, it's wow. written as a like a fable. And I, I love that book. I've read it a couple of different times. That book, um, I really like The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Again, super old book. In terms of more recent books I've read, I think Who Not How is mm. um, really good. And then the same author wrote, now what was it called? Oh, uh, I've, I've heard so somebody mention the gap. Yes. Yes. That book, that book in particular was really powerful for me just because of my personality. Um, I, I really liked those two. Um, they're more geared towards entrepreneurship, but they're really applicable to anyone and, and who's trying to just like grow themselves as a person. Um, <clears throat> let me think what else money books. I think I've kind of said, the simple path to wealth and retire before mom and dad is a really good one. Um, anything written by the Bogleheads too, I think, in terms of like stock bond investing, tend to be very good. I think the Bogleheads good investing. Yeah, you agree with that? I'm a huge. I'm a huge. I'm a. I'm a monster reader. I just don't want to talk about myself, but I totally agree no. with that. Hundred percent. You guys can tell how much I've invested in stocks or anything else because I've never heard of them in my life. So you know, like I only read real estate books. Apparently, <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah, I, I'm a, I'm a stock girl at heart. So that those are my like early early money books. But also, um, uh, Tom Wheelwright, I believe, wrote the Tax Free Guide to Wealth. That's another really good book in terms mm -hmm. of um, just like the world of personal finance and tax in general. So I do Love think. It. No matter what you choose to read, if you honestly just read like one book a month um, that's nonfiction for the next 24 months, your life would look totally different. Oh uh, but that's just like a core belief of mine. Yes. Could not agree more. Like uh, uh, whenever we were doing 75 hard. Yeah. It's like just 10 pages a day and just like habit stack it with like your morning coffee drink. Or if yep. you read 10 pages a day, like you're going to be farther ahead than 99.9% .9 of your peers by just doing that. And so, yeah, reading books has been something that's huge. And the best part is you can actually listen to books too. You don't have to read everything for people yeah. that think that, oh, I don't have the attention span. It's like, come on, you can do it. Pretty soon um, there'll be like a brain cloud Neo like interface where you can like just absorb books into your brain, but we're not quite there yet. Yeah. For, for a hundred bucks, you can just download it into your brain. Yep. I'm like, Hey, I'd pay that all day. <laughs> all right. Yoni, you go ahead. So um, I kind of asked this question. Um, I'm gonna actually I'm gonna put two together. You know what? Screw it. We're gonna do a remix. Um, you've built yourself up. You built up your Instagram following. You've built up your coaching business. These are some things that 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 David and I aspire to do, and we talk to different people based on our aspirations. Given where you want to go and what you told us, um, who was a mentor of yours that 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 um, that you maybe you have a relationship with or you just watch 
from a distance and you're like, okay, like I'm going to, I'm going to take that move and that move, add that to my game. And, and then, um, and then if you want to add on also after that, what your favorite real estate deal that you've done, that'd be cool. That'd be cool. Just sort of okay. melt the answers. No, get those together. Um, in terms of mentor, honestly, I think I have like a thousand million mentors. Most of them don't know me or know who I am at whatsoever, because I really will have, I have mentors in the spectrum of like people that are two steps ahead of me and people that are like 20,000 steps ahead of me. And so in terms of like business mentorship, I like, I'm obsessed with Alex Hormosi and I love Ed, everything Ed Milet does. I listen to all of Russell Brunson stuff. And so all of those people, which are like, way, way further down the line. And so not everything is always like as applicable to where you're at, but like obviously best practices. And so I will just try to absorb that. And really that's how I started in the world of business because I didn't know anyone doing anything like this. And so I didn't have people like around me to talk to. So I just like, I honestly acted like they're, you know, these are like my friends. These are my circle of influence in my head, but like they're my circle of influence via their podcast that I listen to every day. So that was kind of how I started. And then once I got to know more people, I have continually found people like a couple of steps ahead of me. Um, one person in particular, she's not like an actual mentor of mine. She's just someone I look up to. Um, her name's Leti. She's actually the CEO of Semi-Retired MD, but she has built a very large business doing what she loves and also, you know, is a physician and also is a mom. And so for, I relate to her being a medical professional, being a mom and being an entrepreneur and so and a real estate investor, of course. And so I look up to her a lot. And again, like we're not personal friends, but um, I've been like intentionally going into her community and being like, okay, like, let me see, you know, the best practices that she's doing as someone that's further ahead than me. Um, but I do think like, I don't know, you can find mentors everywhere, even if they're not like your real mentor or your real friend, uh, they don't have to actually talk to you for you to like, look at them and glean some insight from what they're doing. Yeah, I, I love that. Everybody says success leaves blueprints. And so like now with like our our world of just being inundated with people on Instagram and YouTube and whatever else, like you can follow all of these hyper successful people. And a lot of them know, especially now that Hormozy, you know, has just blown everything up to where he's like, give everything away for free. Like, you know, just teach everybody everything, you know, and that's, you know, but now everybody's kind of falling in suit and like you, you can get so much information from so many different people. So yeah, success leaves yep. clues. And then, um, Oh crap! And I thought I thought of something else earlier, but now I completely forgot. So now, yeah, the your favorite deal that you've done in real estate—we'd love to hear it. Man, I feel like I haven't done that many because it's like we've only done three. Um, and in terms of like having a favorite, I've never really felt like I knew what I was doing for all aspects of all any of them, and so like none of them were my favorite. Honestly, all of them gave me a lot of anxiety because I'm like. I don't exactly know if I'm doing things right. And so the most recent short-term rental maybe felt a little bit better because I um, had a little bit more comfortability, but even that, like things were different and it was classified as a condo hotel. And so we had to do commercial financing. And so like, there's never, there's never been a real estate deal where I was like, yeah, I feel great about this. Uh, every single one is me just being like, okay, focus. Like this is about numbers put your anxiety aside and like, you just got to take steps. And so I hate to say it like that, but like, I don't have a favorite one. Cause for me, it's all still like really pushing me outside of my comfort zone. I love that. But you, you said, I only have three, but that's three times more than 99% of people out there. So don't put yourself down like that. That's fantastic. Um, okay. And then our last question is um, what kind of things do you have going on in your business that our listeners potentially could help you with? And what's the best way for them to get a hold of you? 
So one of the things we're actually doing is launching a community. We'll, mm. It will go live on November 1st and there'll be kind of different levels to it. But the introductory level, like you can get in 60 days, totally free, try it and see what you think. And so my my hope for that is that other people will actually have a community of people like speaking into their actual circle uh, versus like what I had to do and like make up fake friends from the internet. <laughs> and so hopefully by like creating this, people will come in, have conversation. Not only are we providing resources and education, but then also like other medical professionals doing the same thing, just like us, like okay, I want life to look different. I want to build wealth. I want things to be different for my family. Like, how do I do it? And so you'll be able to connect with people like that. So um, if you check out my Instagram anytime after November 1st, I'm going to have the link everywhere to join. Um, again, 60 days, totally free. So you can come in, talk to people, meet people, get some info and um, get started in your financial journey. Oh, well, that's fantastic. You that's a really, that's a really smart way to build the, build the building blocks of a community. I haven't heard of that move. So I know you've been, I know you've been testing offers with Hormozy. That's all I know. That's what I know. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. I love that. <laughs> anybody wants to get a hold of me, come find me in there. Cause you bet if it's, I'm definitely hopping in. That's going to be fantastic. Um, okay. I think that's all we got for today. Yoni, you got anything else before we get her out of here? Um, I don't have anything specific. I hope we can be friends because you are extremely <laughs> thoughtful monster reader. And, uh, <laughs> And uh, I hope to see you at a conference one day or something. Where, where? I don't actually. I didn't ask you. Where do you live? I'm in uh, West Side of Indianapolis. Okay, West Side of Indianapolis. So I've only Midwest been, is I, best, baby. Yeah, so you, that's that. That's the part of India. And I've been to Indianapolis a couple of, a couple of times. We'll talk about this offline. This is not an online. Anyway, um, yeah, David, take us away. Beautiful. All right, Kristen, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. And so if anybody wants to get a hold of her, she's Strive with Kristen on Instagram. Thank you so much for coming on, talking with us. We really appreciate it. Uh, it's been another episode of the Fetch It Podcast. Thank you. Peace. Peace.